You want to book as much acting work as you can, as often as you can. We get that. The thing is, you don't book acting work by focusing on booking acting work. The industry is more dynamic than that. The art is more interesting than that. By taking you inside the craft, the casting room, and the business, and bringing other industry experts into the conversation, we dig in. We pull back the curtain of the industry and show you how much power you really have as an artist. And by bringing your humanity to the work and the industry, you become an artistic leader, the kind of actor who books work. Even after decades of working with actors all over the world, in our classes at the BGB studio, teaching, coaching, casting, directing, producing, acting, on set, on stage, behind the camera and in front, nothing excites us more than seeing you express your unique artistic voice, humanize the business, and book work doing it. We're here on the podcast and in class at the BGB studio to give you all the tools you need to be a championship-level working actor right now in an industry that desperately needs your voice and your leadership. Yeah, industry and artistry. This is the only place you're going to hear this. I'm Risa. And I'm Steve. And this is the Acting Podcast from the BGB studio. Hello, Are we rolling? Risa. Yeah, we're going. It's all happening. Wow, I'm catching up. I just got off a plane. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. You Shouldn't apologize. apologize. Yeah, don't apologize yeah, for that. For flying. You say thank you for your patience as opposed to saying sorry. That's what all the, uh, you know, okay. the mindfulness folks yeah. say. <clears throat> Excuse me. What's with you? What's the <clears throat> about? I have a cold. Thanks yeah. for asking. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to do, I think, is I'm going to soldier on anyways, but throughout the podcast, I'll probably articulate how sick I am just so everyone thinks that, wow, he's really a warrior and soldiering on. It's martyrdom is what I'm going to go for. Um, like this. You, you know I mean? But you are a soldier. I believe that you are. I mean, life is sometimes requires some soldiering. And I think uh, as a parent, you just get in this like, yeah. come on, like pull your head out of your ass and you got to show up. Like your kids don't care that you're sick. So you just uh, go, right? But so I'm going to sound a little bit weird and I'm going to cough a little bit. I'll sound like Michael Sean McCary. No, boys to men. No? Yes. All right. Thank you for that reference for those of you who don't <laughs> that know. that are very white, but yeah. um, you know. Uh, and uh, I'll probably hack throughout uh, the most poignant okay, okay, moments okay, of, okay. Uh, of this podcast. Right, yeah. But uh, but I'm. Do you, do you need a little sympathy or empathy right now? <laughs> no, actually, this is where my mother would say, "Yeah, uh, get off the cross. We need the wood," which is. Um, or uh, my mother would say, "Get over yourself." It's same deal. Same deal. Right? Yeah. 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 Moms, you know? Moms, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I say that to my daughter sometimes. <laughs> and my son won't let me, but I've sa- I said that just this week when I was in New York, moving her in. And, you know, it was interesting. I got some perspective. And talk about being present. It's so great to just stop your life and pull back a little bit and to go, what exactly has been going on? You know, to give yourself some space to look at what's happening and wh- then to come back to what do I care about, what matters, you know, what's important, what isn't, um, that's a, that's a big important process. And I don't do that often enough. I don't step back for that amount of time and switch things that dramatically to allow myself to see what my life is, my well, work is. And, and again, this notion of soldiering on, I think we all get into this, well, you just got to, you know, suit up and show up and you just fall into that pattern pretty consistently, no matter what's happening. And yeah, yeah you got to step back every once in a while, which is yeah. Um, which And that speaks to what we're going to talk about today, I think, don't you? <clears throat> no doubt. Um, in as much as actors who part of their soldiering is about navigating a consistent flow of rejection, yeah. <laughs> uh, like an emotionally violent amount of 
no, 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 and not just no, 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 but sometimes no in this vacuum of we're not even telling you why, but then sometimes the specific uh, surgical pointed no for this specific reason, you're too much of this or too little of this or whatever else, uh, and it's hard to take that uh, personally, particularly if you're doing yeah. your work, personal work, the work required to invest personally into this stuff, and they're not saying no to your choices, they're saying no to you on some fundamental level, which yeah. is hard. Yeah. And you take that personally because you think I am to this or to that. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not young enough. You know, I'm not hot enough. I'm not famous enough. All of those things start to put you into a place of questioning your own value. For sure. So we're going to go through um, a, a pretty in-depth discussion of rejection, um, but fear not. There's hope in all of this. Because yeah. on the other side of rejection is... What? Go ahead. What's there? <laughs> is hope, is presence, is self, is the allowance of you to take ownership of your own experience and to not have other people define you and what that looks like and how to take care of yourself, show up for yourself and the thing you love, your talent, your humanity, your craft, you know, your life. Right, no doubt. Yeah, uh, you and I have both been rejected. I'm. I'm not going to speak for you, but many, many times. Sure, yeah, street. speak for me, man. I'm, I've been around yeah. a long time and have lots of rejections. And what's interesting yeah. is the people I know who have, and maybe this is to a certain extent uh, true of me when I was pursuing an acting career. The people I know who have been at it for a while and faced the rejection. You end up because you can't help but uh, having this calloused exoskeleton. This. Well, I'm not going to let it get to me, kind of thing. I'm tough, and yet it does. Yeah. It does on some level. You internalize it on some level, yeah. um, and it changes your work. It's hard to then be as vulnerable. Um, I have a writer friend of mine who's been doing it 40 years, very successful, but but he has figured out some way to write with his heart and pour his entire being into it, and then give it up and let them dissect it and throw it against the wall and yeah. and and you know violate what he wrote. And, and, and he has success with it. So there's so a how does he, how does he do that? How does he sustain that? How does he allow that to happen? You know, it's interesting. And, and I think this speaks to the kind of people that survive in this industry. There are certain people who might be wired a certain way um, as opposed to others. I don't know that I would have, because of my hypersensitivity, the ability to navigate that without a really intense regimen of mindfulness and self-care. I don't do it now, so I don't know what you don't, that you don't, is. You don't put yourself out to be rejected <clears throat> That's as an right. actor. And, and yeah. perhaps part of the reason why I couldn't make it work is because, like I said, a studio like this wasn't around back then to, sh to show me, to give me some of those tools. Sure. Because um, at a certain point, it just hurt too damn much. And yeah. so uh, I found myself not investing as much as I should have. Uh, and of course, we offer a lot of uh, um, classes and exercises and tools to keep actors in that place of, of hypersensitivity in the face of a, an emotionally violent industry. But I think he internalizes, and that's not healthy. Um, mm. But so so let's talk about rejection here, and and I think um, we don't have to go into the details of what rejection is. Actors know that. But you it can all know come that. From, yeah, yeah. Again, in various manifestations of the direct, uh, you suck, and here's why, um, and that can come from a casting director or an agent or kind of a, a sideways version of it, which is we chose this person and not you, and then you look at that person, and on some level you figure out that you were rejected for certain reasons, whatever. Um, and I think the, the first thing, the most important perhaps, in understanding how to navigate rejection so that you can keep showing up with your talent, which requires vulnerability, hypersensitivity, 
is a deep understanding of the reality of the industry. Yeah, yeah, that's and, really important. And that the reality of the industry is rejection. Yeah. So um, you can't look at the top of the mountain and say, that's what I want, right? I want to be the TV, uh, um, you know, the series regular TV star that uh, doesn't feel any pain. Um, because this industry involves rejection. That's just the nature of this system. And so I think if you approach the industry with entitlement or leaning too hard into the fantasy dream of I'm going to book, you know, that big one this week or whatever. And all will be well. Right. And it's a fine line, by the way. Yeah. Um, then that is uh, an active participation in ignorance in um, not understanding the true nature of the industry. And so what happens is in Buddhism, they call it the second arrow. So uh, the first is you were rejected. Oh, that sucks. I got, you know, struck by that arrow. There's a wound that sucks. And then the second arrow is, but I shouldn't have been rejected. Why was I rejected? This sucks. Uh, so not being uh, in that place of acceptance of, yeah, 98% of the time you're going to be rejected. You're going to be rejected for ridiculous reasons uh, because there's 130 cooks in the kitchen, uh, and each have a different idea, which is really no idea at all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, um, so what can happen is that you show up and sometimes this is called the curse of the MFA in as much as you and I call it that mm -hmm. is you show up with an expectation to take nothing away from the work that you've done. And by the way, people show up in Los Angeles and within two months book TV series all the time. I know I did it. That's not real life. Yeah. And so, and it's not going to last uh, forever. It's at fleeting. All. It Absolutely. is fleeting. Yeah, um, as it was when it happened to me. And so, there needs to be an understanding that you can't be in this. The secret I'm going to manifest. This gets a little bit tricky for folks, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm trying to stay positive and let's keep toxic people out of my life who are telling me that. Ooh, it's really tough. And I'm not saying wallow in in the shit of the industry and ugh, this sucks so bad. But understand the true nature so that you can be present with it of this industry, which yeah. is that most of it is rejection. Rejection is the norm. So get right with that. Again, this, this Buddhist notion of it will be suffering and that's not a bad thing that, that hopefully will allow you to celebrate the victories when they happen, but also be in full acceptance of the rejection when it happens too. The thing about the, that, even the word rejection, though, I would love to reframe that a little bit because it's not like people are out there standing on the top of the mountain, rejecting you and pushing you down and hoping you fail, you know, and then pushing you down every time you climb up. Right. They are so fully in their own shit. They're so fully in their own fear of rejection yeah. that they're just trying to make work and stay alive and afloat in their in their jobs. And so by doing that, they look at you as a potential fit into their scheme, into their pro project. And if you don't fit, you don't fit. It, they're like, they're, they're not putting you in the garbage. And, and But that's what it feels like. That's what you're doing to yourself. And we'll talk about all the baggage that comes with it that we all bring to this from our past. But the truth is they are not rejecting you. You have to really understand that. Right. They're not choosing you because you don't fit at that moment in the scheme of things, or that someone will fight for you, but then somebody else higher up or in some other, you know, idea of what this hierarchy is will say no, you know? And so I was just talking to an actor the other day who's a beautiful actor, and I've tried to cast her a number of times, and she's really gone to the other side of things in a wonderful way and takes responsibility for herself and her work and, and all that. But at the end of the day, it came back to, so why do you think on all those projects I wasn't cast. Yeah. What was wrong with me? What happened? 
Everyone said I did amazing work. I was the director's choice. You said it was amazing. I know the work was strong. So what happened? Why did I not get cast? And we talked about all the reasons. And I said to her, which I believe is true, and I think everybody needs to hear this, your moment comes when it comes for a project or for your career. And she's one of those people who has an old soul and the roles I believe are going to come to her in her late 30s, you know, not in her late 20s when she was hoping for them, you know, desperately. And it's really understanding who you are in all this and knowing that if you're in this for the long haul, you know, for the for the long game of this thing, that it's going to happen when it happens. It's also going to happen in spurts and it's at surprising moments. And and you can't look at every single quote unquote rejection or non-acceptance as the definition of who you are and and what you're capable of. But the industry, people in this town and people in this industry are um, are struggling themselves. And this it's, it's not about not taking it personally because it's personal because you're putting your heart out there, but it's not meant to hurt you and to make you feel less than. And I think you need to really understand where other people are coming from in their process. And if you've been on the other side of the table, you know, then you'll know that. But that's a big one. Yeah, for sure. And again, this notion, <clears throat> excuse me, of, 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 of understanding how the industry works. And I, I feel like there's work to be done there. And actors don't necessarily do that kind of work. Right. Like really the deep dive of what is going on here, what are... Uh, all of the steps involved in someone getting cast of making a movie, except for if you've done this and if you listen to some of our other podcasts here and heard from producers who talk about mm -hmm. how to birth this film or, or TV show, there's so much involved and so little of it actually has to do with you because they're just desperately trying to get this thing made. Right, yeah, yeah. And so um, with that understanding... I think it doesn't take away the full impact of the fact that you've invested emotionally in this thing that you wanted, there's craving there, you w and you don't actually get it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think it can dull the point of the rejection uh, so that it doesn't knock you down. Again, this understanding uh, of the true nature of the industry. And I think what happens is when you hear that no, it's almost on some level easier in as much as you don't have to do the work to internalize it to look inside and say oh this means I'm either lacking something or I have too much of something so how can I change uh, and and that's problematic because you can't necessarily change the industry so you must be the problem and so you start getting in this weird cycle of I'm not enough and they know again this notion of you giving them their power this, this uh, self-other, us-and-them kind of dynamic that actors show up with. Yeah. And so the rejection almost starts, uh, you know, fueling your own narratives and your own self-doubt. But, but what happens is, from this scattered place of so many people desperately trying to spin all the plates and they're falling and cracking, and then you walk in for your audition of the self-tape, and they don't give you, you know, the respect that you feel like you deserve, or they don't give you the role. Uh, but they're still spinning all their plates and, and, and weren't really um, taking the time because they couldn't to deal with you. And you leave and think, oh, I did something wrong. And so you can take that information of, no, you're not getting that part. You can transform it into something, into whatever you'd like. And so often, and this is where the actor's control and power can come in, so often actors choose, and indeed I believe, this is tough love, it is a choice, they use it 
to inform this narrative from the negative self-talk that, ah, uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, so that casting director that talked shit about me at that workshop five years ago was right, I'm not enough. Or that thing that mom said when I was five, yeah, I guess yep. I'm not, all that sort of stuff. Or the stuff, whatever, you're, that you're telling yourself. Right, and, but I, I think in that, and this is important, because what you're saying just makes me think of the fact, and we all do this to some extent, but uh, hypersensitive artists, individuals, which is why you're here in the first place, right. come with wounds and come with all that baggage. And you're looking for someone to, to, to tell you either you are as bad as you know you, you were told all those years or to validate you and to accept you and to love you and tell you, you know what, everybody was wrong. You're actually good enough. And therefore, and the only way that happens is that you get the part. Right. You know, that, that, that math doesn't make any sense. So it's right. really undoing all of that math, you sure. know, and realizing... That, that is not logical. It may feel emotionally logical, but I think we all have to look at, I know we all have to look at uh, what happens when, we, when that shit comes up for us. I would recently met on a project to cast, and I still meet on projects to cast, and sometimes I think, oh my God, really, do I have to do this? I've got this like 40-year resume, but these people, to them, it's the mo most important thing in the world. They wanna know that they're being served and that they're, and also that they're going through what they call the process. So yeah, they go through the process. So I went in, I met on this thing. It wasn't the right job for me for a number of reasons. I didn't, it didn't speak to me. You know, I didn't not go in for it because I thought these are people that I may want to meet, but I did my research, I did my work, I was prepared, I went in and I gave a great meeting. We actually cried in the meeting, the show creator and me together over something that they were working on on that show, that because the show had been on for a few years. I walked out of there and I trusted my gut and, and my gut said, that was a great meeting, but this is not your job. And I had to get right with that. That was my own intuition. But I didn't allow myself to make the choice. I didn't allow myself to walk away and say, great meeting, not my job, I'm walking away. I still had that little part of me that was waiting for somebody to call and say, we love you, we want you to do this. So then I could decide if I wanted to do it or not. Sure. And nobody called, like for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I, I got right with it and walked away from it. And then I got an email from the show creator two weeks later saying, I'm so sorry, da 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 but we've decided to stay in-house and the casting director who had left for another job and was no longer available, we're just gonna promote her associate and we love you and want to work with you. And, and I took the high road and I really believed that and said, you know, I do want to work with you, but not on this. But it took me a while to get to that place. And I saw myself having to go through that, 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 that transition from, oh, they didn't want me to, this isn't the right fit. I feel that in my bones, walk away you know, and know that you've actually made or created a relationship. Right. But that's really hard stuff sure. to do, you know, and, and, and it's challenging no matter where you are in your career and no matter what the, the job is, it's, it, that's, that's the hard stuff. So it's also about getting right with your own baggage, right. your own history and your own desperation for love, care, validation, and acceptance. And again, that, that awareness of, of both the industry, but not only the industry, yourself, and how you react to all these things, and how your old stuff gets triggered. Yeah. Um, and your cycle of praise and blame and, and, uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, it's interesting that you talk about that, that you identify with the loss, I'm a loser, or you identify with, I booked the job, I'm the hero. And, and those waves will kill you. I mean, the highs will kill you and the lows will kill you if you, if you identify with both of them. And understanding, I think, can help you with that. Yeah. 
and understanding that when the highs come, they're fleeting. And so enjoy them, but also don't expect them to be there forever. When the lows come, um, understand that, that that's part of the deal. They are also fleeting, but it's part of the deal. So there's an acceptance yeah. of both. And you know what? The highs are not real. You, you have to also look at the highs because the highs is a concept. You know, the highs then turn into, oh, now I have to get up at four in the morning and drive for two hours to a set and then, you know, sit around, you know, in my trailer for 10 hours and then they, they cut my part in half and then I get there and the star is an asshole and then I, I, I have no turnaround and then I'm told I'm cut out of the next scene that sure. I thought. And all that starts happening and that's your big high, right. you know, so it's a fantasy. It's an that's idea. Right. It's not real. I used to get tattoos. Okay. That's how I would deal with rejection. You have tattoos? I have many. What? Yeah, did you not know that? I, you have no tattoos, you're I making this up. do indeed. So um, I booked a pilot, um, and it was a fancy pilot, uh -huh. fancy people, and there were uh, six leads on the show. And um, the thing got picked up, hallelujah, uh, and the contract said that if the thing gets picked up, I'm guaranteed a certain amount of episodes. Well, that guarantee um, yielded so said the contract, four hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. That's and a nice so chunk of change. It got picked up, and I yeah. thought, "Oh my God, I'm rich. I'm going to buy a house. Yeah. This is great." Yeah. Right. Um, a week later, I was driving east on uh, Ventura Boulevard, just before Laurel Canyon. You're holding your heart because you know where this is going. I know to go. that fucking corner is not a good corner. Not a good corner. Yeah. Uh, and the manager called, and she said, "I don't know how to say this, but um, they're." demoting you for budgetary reasons uh, to a recurring. Mm. $475,000 became $75,000. Uh -huh. Now, had you told me that I was going to make $75,000, <laughs> it would have been great, but yeah. except uh, that yeah. lowering of the bar yeah. was pretty dramatic. Yeah, the carrot um, didn't get and, and I think um, the biggest hit of it all is that it felt like some sort of betrayal, like, again, old stuff, right? Like my old narrative of people not treating me fairly, um, it's in the contract, you know? And of course, as every actor who's, who's been fired or whatever knows, like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna, you're gonna sue Warner Brothers? Good luck, mm -hmm. and also you'll never work again. So what do you do? You suck it up. And so I went back to that first table read after me, and this, the, so there were, the four, there were just four leads, and the other two, there were six, now there are four, the other two were turned into to recurring. And one of the other, the other guy who was also turned into recurring uh, won a Tony, so I feel better about it. <laughs> you were in good company. Who knows what the real reasons were? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but they said it was budgetary, and they kept they 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 kept saying that. So all the same. So I, I showed up to that first table read, uh, my first episode back, and the director, you know, you introduce everyone in the table read, and the uh, director said Steve Braun, and then he put his hand his hand towards me and said, "Who we love, who we love," trying to say they're there, it's okay. And I thought, you know what? Fuck you. Oh, God. And I was in that internalized yeah. place. Uh -huh. And so I was like, I remember lying on the floor of my apartment for, you know, like hours, like this big, this was my moment. And now, and that moment it, was, taken it was taken away, away from, from you. Me. Right, right, right. And so I woke up one day and walked down the street to the, some, I just needed to get cut. I just needed somebody to cut me. To hurt you. Uh, it to was penetrate so your skin and your soul. Um, <laughs> and so I got uh, a tattoo. Can you show it to me? One of I them? I won't, no. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, but again, there's an example of an unhealthy way to deal with rejection. And had I been engaging in the kind of work, like my whole acting career, I was running out of gas and didn't know it. Because mm. I didn't 
no one told me, but I also wasn't doing the work of mm. finding out. Um, and so then you do these ridiculous, unhealthy things, uh, which don't make sense, but, um, but that's what you do, you know? Well, you do the, the unhealthy things until you figure out, um, and we're here to help with that and yeah, right. really give you our hearts on this, the things that you can do to take care of yourself. Cause you need to take care of your instrument and your soul. You need to be good to yourself in all of this. Um, cause you're worth it. You're right. worthy and you're you're not going to get to do the thing that you started out doing any other way, you know? It's a challenge. It's challenging. And and I I think the other part of the rejection, aside from not getting the part, and I think this is what people feel deeply, actors especially, well, everybody, writers too, everybody, um, is that you're invisible. You don't even get to get rejected. I have actors say to me all the time, right? You do too. I'm... I don't even. I just want a chance to get in the room and get rejected. I don't even get in the room, so that you feel like you're so outside the industry that you're living in a state of generalized rejection, right. and you don't know who you are as an actor, an artist, or and and then translate that into I don't know who I am as a human being, and then you just sink into the desperation of this generalized rejection. Right. Oof. It's it's heavy. But stay with this because we'll get there. I mean, yeah. th- this is such an important thing to like, um, because I think again, talking about soldiering on, actors can show up and put the smile on and 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 try to you know push through. I just had this conversation with an actor before we got in here, um, and there needs to be room for airing some of this stuff and talking about what it is and coming up with some tools, some strategies to navigate it with with more grace than I think certainly I was uh, able to do when I was pursuing an sure. career. Yeah. So so again, th- this understanding will take you to awareness, and hopefully that awareness will lead to some compassion, those people on the other side, more on that in a second. And and hopefully that's, uh, that dulls the thing a little bit because you have a sense of, of the mechanics that are at play that aren't personal, aren't directed specifically at you, even though it may feel that way, uh, and so you can navigate the rejection um, and make it a little bit easier. I want to say one yeah, more thing about ahead. the whole rejection thing in terms of the industry. Sometimes when you get rejected for a particular role, a lot of the time people are excited about you as a talent and want to work with you in the future and have a sense of relationship that, that has been created, and this is an investment in that, so it's not black or white, ever, ever, ever. And even if you walk in and do sucky work or send in a sucky self-tape, as far as you're concerned, or don't do your best work, people get to know you, and you're in their mind, you're in their uh, memory, you're in their, their, their history, and th- things come out of that. This is your work, rejected or not, is an investment in the, a future relationship that has just begun by you just showing up and sure. doing decent work. No doubt. Again, uh, um, uh, a true, real understanding of, of the true nature yeah, of the industry. Totally. Um, so this next notion, in the interest of navigating rejection, that we want to talk about, is this notion of how badly, and also why, you want this job, and what's associated with it. And and again, it's this Buddhist notion of craving. Mm. Buddhists will tell you that that the the cause of suffering is craving. You want this thing so badly. So you want this thing that this casting director has the ability to give you, or so you think. She may or may not, um, or the showrunner or whoever. And you want it so badly because you want to pay your rent, you want to get the health insurance, you want the validation, you want what, 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 want. You're in deep, 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 deep need. 
and you don't get it, and the result is apocalyptic because your need was so great. Right, your craving right. was so deep and desperate. So the question is, how can you crave less? Mm. Um, how can you want this less? Oh, but that feels antithetical to the, you know, you better hustle and at work because I gotta, you got to want this. Agents have said to me as I've been driving to go see my mother for some reason, you know, um, when I was 25 or something and saying no to an audition, but don't you want this? You yeah. have to really want this. Sacrifice everything, be there no matter what, never get on a plane. Well, you can't travel. Don't no, travel. Yeah, yeah, give it up. Give it all up so that you're there and available, yeah. Right. So, Which is the soldiering on part. That's right. Yeah. So then the question is, if you want to, you know, manage the rejection, uh, how can you crave less? How can you want the audition less than you do? Well, that's very, very difficult. But, but you can minimize the fallout from rejection by projecting as, as much pure artistic investment, a certain kind of wanting for a specific reason in that audition, but not all the extra stuff. So let's say you're in a relationship and your expectation of your partner is that they will pay your rent and they will pay your health insurance and they will validate you. They'll give you space to be an artist. I mean, this is this is the recipe for uh, uh, relationship failure, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you're not taking responsibility for your own shit. You're projecting too much stuff on that person, too much for that person to handle. And in the industry that we're in, that has no ability whatsoever to nurture you, to, it, it's just not designed for that. And it's not there, it's not responsible to Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's not even it being a dick. It's just like <laughs> that's not the purpose <laughs> of the industry. So right. then if you walk in looking at this hammer and expecting it to be a screwdriver and you know, screw you for not being pun intended, for you not being the tool that I need right now, or not giving me exactly what I need, that's on you. So so then we have to find a way to take all of those things, um, the health insurance the finances generally, your own validation, your need for artistic expression, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would even say, write them all down. What are you putting on top of this audition that isn't even helpful in the audition? And by the way, is your responsibility to deal with on yourself and craft a life that takes care of that for yourself. I mean, this is big stuff, but, but you need to walk in there in a way that is emotionally healthy so that the result is not apocalyptic when they do say no, and then you look at them and go, well, how dare you not let me get health insurance? Right, but in addition to that, you walk in when you're talking about emotionally healthy, uh, those kind of people actually make an impression. Those kind of people are taking care of their own stuff and therefore take care of the work and therefore take care of the people on the other side. I won't even call it the other side. I don't, I don't think that's useful. The, the people who are who already have their job, sure. so to speak. You know, Then you get to, to be what we call an artistic leader and you get to show up fully because you're not carrying in all that baggage. You, you find a way to let go of that. And so the work has to be more important. Right. So there's space for generosity. There's space for you walking in and saying to them who are just desperate to cast this thing, I'm here to take care of you because I've taken care of my needs. Oh, shit. Like that that reframes the entire room. And it works. I and, promise and way, you it works. It reframes your self-tape. It reframes yeah. the work that you yeah. do in the self-tape. Yeah. If, if the work in your self-tape smells of, I'm about to lose my insurance, you know, maybe for a specific role. Yeah. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, that's not the energy that you need to focus on your art and to offer something that solves their problem. And it's hard, it's hard to remember, again, coming back to the industry and with the reality of it, to walk in the room, to do a self-tape, to enter any relationship or meeting in the industry as 
with, with generosity and as a collaborator. So you've earned a seat at the table because you're talented, you've done your work, and you believe in yourself and your value, right? And you, you enter with that mindset, then you have a chance of figuring this out. And if it's not a good match, if it doesn't feel right for them or even for you, you're done. And that's fine. You move on to the next thing. But you're there, you know, with a certain amount of of might and strength and leadership, right. you know, and that and that that shift t- by taking the desperation out and all the baggage of the past out and being present with that in the room um, and in the work is not only a shift for your own self care and dealing with rejection, but it changes how you're seen and experienced. Yeah, no doubt, and and can't underline this enough. And I understand that this is probably uh, a really dramatic shift for most folks, but. I tell you what, you know these actors and so do I, and and frankly, I was one towards the end of my acting career who, you know, show up um, for coffee with their friends once a week, and uh, back then we were smoking cigarettes, I wasn't, but many people smoke, and just like lamenting the business and why won't it give me this, and there's all these reasons why it's not happening for me, and screw them, and that sort of bitterness which leads to hopelessness, and that's where art dies. And so it's so essential that you create a life for yourself that is emotionally, artistically, and financially sustainable. And that's easier said than done. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's coming from a person of privilege. And there's all sorts of reasons why that's harder for, for some folks than others. I just know that, that whatever that means for you, um, you have to create that for yourself so that you don't give up your power, so that you don't allow yourself to stay in that place of... Uh, us and them, they have the ability to reject me. I hope I can go in there and please them this time, and if not, then we'll screw them. You know, that kind of mindset can last for 10, 20 years, yeah. and that'll keep you in, in that place, that mindset of rejection. Keep informing this narrative that becomes an identity, an identity that I am a loser. And ooh, that's so, t- that's so but, fucking toxic. But, but, uh, oh my goodness, and and hard to fight out of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and I, then it also becomes an addiction. No doubt. You know, you yeah. start to that ego that, needs more of that yeah, fuel yeah, to maintain yeah. that identity because it sustains you. It gives you a sense of oh, it's not the only. I can't take responsibility for myself, so I am going to live in a place of toxic rejection from the industry, from the business, from the audition experience, and I'm gonna just wallow in this to, and that's the only place that I'm going to get a sense of power. Right. Which is, which is, which is bad news. And the responsibility is a big part of this. Like it, it, it is, it is your responsibility as an actor. It's on you to do the work of seeing past the us, them, the self, other dynamics of actor versus casting director, actor versus agent, actor versus director, etc. We get a lot of questions about casting, about auditioning, about your careers and the business, and we want to focus on some of the ones we hear often. So we're going to take one right now with great question. Let's talk about that. So let's dive in. So Tim V in LA, oh, hi Tim, um, uh, says you talk about needing to love the work, but also doing the work of loving the work, which is a really powerful distinction and something that really resonates with me at this point in my life. Um, would you be able to expand on that? Yes, uh, we would. Um, so for, I think the, the first thing to understand is that, that 
when you think of your work as an actor, maybe that means you know uh, audition technique or like honing, you know, your scene study and your preparation, etc. Uh, to us, in the interest of career success, the work is actually uh, self-care. The work is actually doing the work of loving the work. What do we mean by that? Well, it's uh, very much like a relationship. Um, and indeed, you're not just dating acting, you are married to acting, which means that you're gonna navigate the ups and downs of all that. That requires you to uh, to go on dates regularly. With to, your with the thing you love. With that thing that you not, love. Not Absolutely. dates outside of the thing you That's love. That's right. Yeah. Um, to, to, to date uh, acting, to, to really uh, think about all the ways in which acting brings you joy and do those things. And I've said this before, but if that means you need to take a clowning class, take the damn clowning class. If it means you need to, you know, teach acting to kids somewhere because that, like whatever that thing is that will fill you up and bring you back to the joy of it. And I would say make it a practice. So your work might be dancing around to the Lion King in your underwear twice a week. And, and, and I'm, I say that with like a complete straight face. Like if that's the thing that's gonna lift you up and bring you joy, cause you're moving your body and you're singing and you're coming back to the elation of it, that turns into an audition technique. So it's going to be different you, for everyone. Do you do that, Steve? Do you dance? I don't. Uh, been out of the game a little bit. I dance around to Moana quite a bit with my daughter. What do you what What do you do? Um, for me, it is qigong mm. and tai chi and meditation. Um, if I think of the things that fill me up, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's that. And and my life is really busy, particularly right now with a seven week old and a five year old. Um, and I, for some people, two kids is not a big deal for my wife and me. It's like, we're barely hanging on. Um, but, and the studio takes up a lot of emotional energy because, uh, it's so alive and there's lots going on. And, um, and so I have to do the work of finding space where sometimes space doesn't look like it's there. Mm -hmm. So the work for me is coming back to, um, uh, the, the joy that I feel when I'm, uh, uh, going through some kung fu form or something. That's joyful for me. And uh, music is also a big deal for me. And, and with my daughter, who also loves music, it's the best thing in the world. That fills me up, for sure. Mostly just sitting at a table eating dinner with my uh, with my family. That's the thing that uh, yeah. makes me let go of everything and just yeah. stay there. Um, and, and I know that you, you carve out time for that, and it's important. I have to. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, my responsibilities as a father and a husband... Um, particularly f f coming from the childhood where I came from, are essential. I can't, I can't not give that my full attention. Yeah. That comes first, full stop. The thing just under that um, is uh, dealing um, in uh, as generous a way as I can with hypersensitive actors exploring truthful human expression, emotional expression. Because to me, that heals me in that, because I'm, I'm one of those people. And so, uh, but what can get lost in that is, wait a minute, but, but where am I in this? Uh, apropos of this discussion of me being sick right now. So, so the, the work then uh, is to say stop, even to my family, even to my five-year-old, and to say, no, I can't do X, Y, and Z right now because I need to, which is hard for me, um, because I, I need to go in the backyard and stretch or whatever that thing is, right? Um, so it's different for everybody, but doing the work of loving the work is giving it attention uh, and giving a, a, a specific attention to the things that bring you joy about acting. And there is so much that is joyful about acting. Mm. You know, like you get to to feel uh, and express deep elements of the human experience that most you know people out there in the world won't even go near because they can't or don't have the courage to or whatever. 
you get to feel that multiple times a day. So you gotta focus on the joy of it and let that lead you. And that's the work of, of loving the work, I think. Cool. Moving on, Bill from Toronto. I love Toronto. Hi, Toronto. We're Hi. both Canadians, Bill. Yeah, Winnipeg. If you're listening. Go Jets. Um, getting rejected by representation, question mark. Um, I was just let go by my agent after five years on a series. Wow. Uh, they said I was too hard to sell. It sucks. How do I navigate this? Oh, so hard. And again, especially the expectation of like, I just did the thing. Yeah. I made you money for, for five, five years. years. Yeah. So we're in this now. I, yeah. I did my part in this relationship. Yeah. Now it's your turn to get me something else. Yeah. And you know, look, the truth may be that they have someone else who uh, is on a fancier TV show that requires their attention or blah, blah, blah. Who knows? Um, to me, the answer is the same. It doesn't mean, like, maybe Bill's got a, a farther uh, length to fall because, you know, you're on the TV series. You think there are expectations that come with that. Um, but it's so hard, but you have to come back to the beginning. Why do I do this? Mm. Would I do this if I didn't have an agent? You know, your identity is gone. Because the next question after, you know, what have you been in is, or who's your agent? Do you have an agent? And I suspect it actually frees you because if yes. your agent let you go, so to speak, it probably means things were not working. Yeah. And if they weren't working, you probably didn't recognize it. You know, it's like you've, again, you, like I know for myself and for everyone I see, those are not healthy relationships. They're not yeah. productive right. relationships. So you got to stop and go, wait, wait a minute. Is it, was this even working for me? Right. And if, and likely I would say 99.9% .9 of the time it's not working and they're yeah. the first persons to end it. It's like you're, again, go back to the relationship. You're not in a working functioning relationship. And so somebody finally, for whatever reasons, says this isn't working. And so you have to be a, get right with the fact that this was not serving you and move on from that. And I would systemize this. I, and, I, and maybe this is just like m m the way my brain works and, and, and Bill's brain may work differently, but how do you navigate it? Give yourself a certain amount of time to grieve for this. Yeah. Your grieving is not going to fall just within that time. <laughs> it's going to spill out. Another, but give yourself a certain amount of time to just let this go and fuck it and I'm pissed off and whatever that is. Um, and then come back to the work. You know, the hardest thing, I may have said this before, but the hardest thing that uh, an actor, I think, can do is not actually be in the desert for 10 years. It's be on the TV series for 15 years and then hit a bit of a desert. Yeah, much and higher And walk fall. back into yeah. this very room where we're standing right now, you know, with your $4,000 handbag and, uh, and come back to the work. Yeah. From the very beginning without ego. Yeah. That is hard, but that's what's required. It's necessary. And find what you're, again, come back to your value and come back to what you care about and then work from that place. Right. You know, and then you, the right kind of representation, um, healthy representation will, will come. And we talk about that in another podcast as right. well. No doubt. Yeah. If you have a question that you'd like to have answered here on The Acting Podcast, email us at theactingpodcast at gmail.com. That's theactingpodcast at gmail.com. And put great question in the subject line so we'll know. We're ready to hear your question and offer our take on the answer. Go ahead and email today. We're here. Before we get back to our conversation, we want to give you some added bonus stuff. She said add. I did say add. This is an ad, folks. 
Finding and maintaining success as an actor requires intense focus in your acting work. It's a consistent practice. But in a business this dynamic and this fraught with emotional landmines, achieving your goals also requires addressing specific elements of your career and your life. To be successful, you have to take a long look at what you want your career to look like and what practical daily steps you're taking to get there. And you have to be taking responsibility for the mental and emotional roadblocks that keep you from success. So to make sure the work gets done, we offer career coaching and life design coaching. It's one-on-one, -on -one, in person, at the studio, or via Skype and Zoom for actors all over the world. In our career coaching sessions, you'll find ways to let go of guilt, doubt, fear, regret, and powerlessness, embrace your gifts, and come up with strategies to realize your projects to network effectively, to engage with your representatives successfully, and to make money doing what you love. Together, we will turn the energy of frustration into the energy of doing and creating. In life design coaching sessions, you'll come to a deeper awareness of the emotional and mental blocks that stand in your way. You'll change your relationship with those blocks, and then we'll tailor a doable, daily practice that creates positive change in your life. It's awareness to intention to action. It's about removing what's in your way and creating presence and power in your life so you can show up for yourself and your career. So to schedule a career coaching or life design coaching session or a series of coaching sessions, go to braymangarciabraun.com slash coaching or click the link in our podcast show notes. And if you use the promo code podcast, you get a 10% discount on your first session. So we've unpacked, as the kids say, some of these uh, <laughs> notions of rejection, and it gets uh, it gets dark and deep, and I think uh, we may have uh, cut a little close to the bone for a lot of actors, because this is part of their world. Um, but um, there is hope, and there are things you can do, like steps you can take. And you and I both know this, that the way out of, ugh, I'm in this awful place, is one step at a time, tiny little bites, pull out the calendar, like, what does next week look like? Let's do these things, one thing every day, step by step by step, and all of a sudden, you're shifting your mindset. The neurons are firing in a different way. You're rewiring your brain and all this. And so what this takes us to, in terms of this notion of it being your responsibility, are the, are the steps. And, and, and I think a big part of it starts with self-care. Um, knowing that the industry can be emotionally violent and that it can feel like your whole life is at the mercy of another person's decision, you have to keep yourself in good mental, emotional, and physical health, financial health, to meet those challenges. So one of the first things, I think, as an actor, is uh, always reminding yourself that you are an actor. Always reminding yourself why you are an actor. Yeah. This feels like a remedial exercise, and in fact, I had that resistance from an actor just recently who said, this is ridiculous, what are we doing here? Uh, we're, we're writing for four minutes on why I'm an actor, come on. Uh, well, I tell you what, if you don't know, you're going to be walking east when uh, really you should be walking west because you're, you're bouncing off the rea these reactions of the industry or the agent says this or, uh, but I do need money, so I'm going to do this or do that. You have to come back to why am I doing this so that your intention um, dictates your actions. And that grounds you in a place where you understand what you want, why you're doing this, and it, and it deflects some of the rejection just by just by going through you know a, a ten minute writing meditation or a little writing exercise on 
this is why I do this. This is why this matters to me. Well, it also it, it brings you back to the core of why you started this thing and why you care about it. So do you really care that much about that one audition because you haven't had one in two months and it's a co-star role on a network TV show and or, or a commercial? I mean, I get it. You know, you want that on your resume. You want the money, all that. Right. But if you're going to put your focus outward on that and not understand what's really important, what you really deeply care about, then you're, you're, you're there's a huge disconnect between the heart of this thing and the way you're putting yourself out in the world. So your focus goes where you where your heart wants it to go, um, which is probably the most efficient path to whatever you think success yeah, is. Yeah. And moreover, um, it, all those trite little things that you don't get uh, hurt less because that's, um, sure, you want them. It's not the worst thing in the world to get a paycheck or maybe they're not paying, whatever it is, but um, but you're focused on what you really want. There's, a, I, there's a focus there. And, and you know what? I just want to st- say that, Steve, you and I came to this work we're doing right now into the studio because of that we and I and I have to look at that all the time yeah so I want to say one thing and people may not know this about me but in terms of casting it's not the be-all end-all for me it's not the heart of what I love to do I do it well and there are parts of it that I really love I love working with actors I love giving somebody a role not that it's mine to give but being able to do that. I love being in the process of creating uh something, you know, and, and, and helping and facilitating for others. But it's not the heart of what I love. It's not my why. And I think what happens in that is that I stray sometimes. And then I go after jobs that I don't really want. And I and I get even that kind of rejection or that kind of acceptance, you know, that kind of celebrity in all of this means absolutely nothing because it doesn't serve the, the heart and core of what I care about. And that's why we built this studio right. and are doing this work because we came back to what was important so that we can have this touchstone and this heart and this core of the work that feeds us and others around us. And, and that's so important to know what that is for you, for you guys listening and, and to find a way to come back to that so you're sustaining yourself, you know? And then again, the rejection is meaningless when you have this to come home to. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's an extension to me of knowing why you do this is then staying in the work that you love. And, and the, the, the doing for actors um, is what reminds you that you are an actor and that you love it and that you're good at your art. And so when you drown yourself in that exploration yeah. for its own sake, and, and by the way, if you can do it at such a, a black belt level that the auditions are even an exploration of that art that you love, uh-huh. uh, even if it's this you know, piece of crap, not fully fleshed out, you know, uh, uh, amalgam of different scenes for some pilot that will never make it or whatever, um, and you can approach it with that level of generosity and, hey, I'm an actor and this is good which, by the way, again, is a practice, is a mindset, then all of a sudden, again, you start mitigating the rejection. The rejection doesn't have teeth. And you know what happens when you do that? It's, it doesn't matter. You, not, you, you, when actors walk in a room that I'm running or that I'm in and bring that kind of excitement and love of the thing, and it may sound, you know, oh, I love my work and here I come, but, but really are there to work, really are there to to exercise their artistry, their craft, their love of this yeah, thing. It's not some blissed out thing. Like it's the work no, is frustrating it's, and yeah, it's, it'll, you, yeah. you want to pull your hair out, but it's great. Yeah, but it's great. And yeah. they come in with that and they remind me, oh shit, yeah, this is the this is the important stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I've seen that kind of thing affect, you know, tired directors and pissed off producers and uh 
neutral studio executives and light them up and you light them up, they will cast you because they need that. So to bring that kind of joyous conviction and, and, and hard work to the table without being about getting the job, but doing it because that's all you know, and that's the, the practice you've gotten into, rejection is not even on the table. Right. And you actually book work with that. It's palpable. It's extraordinary. So the next notions of self-care here involve um, mental and physical health. You know, all the stuff is connected, obviously, particularly for artists. Um, but but notions of meditation, I think, are important. If that elicits an eye roll for you, uh, I will submit that meditation doesn't necessarily mean you shaving your head and wearing a robe and <laughs> sitting for 45 minutes. That's not what this is. It can happen at any moment. You can walk and meditate. You can write, certainly, and meditate. Yeah, it can happen seated, drinking tea, whatever that is. It's just stopping, coming back to your breath. I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. Or a version of that, which is contemplation, which is just you looking inside. That's all that is. Here's why this is practical in, in the face of rejection. So um, my experience with meditation is that if I spend the time looking inside, I see myself eventually. Um, if you don't like yourself, it means that you're just not looking clearly enough. So you see who you are. And eventually, with practice, you accept what you see because it's undeniable. Mm. Uh, I'm looking at a wall and it's blue and that's it. And that's just the truth of the thing. You're wearing a black sweater. That's objectively truth uh, to a certain extent. And, and so when I see myself and I know who I am because I've done that meditative work, writing, breathing, whatever that is, then when I get rejected for a myriad, reason, myriad reasons, it's tantamount to someone saying, mm, we didn't like you, you were wearing a blue shirt. And I look down at my shirt, which I'm doing right now, and I know that it's gray. And so I can say, oh, okay, you wanted an orange and I am an apple uh, and uh, take care, bless and release. It wasn't a good fit, as you said. This wasn't my project. So it, it again, that self-knowing, having a clear sense of who you are. Mm. And by the way, sometimes they'll say, we didn't want you because your shirt was gray. And I'll say, my shirt is gray, isn't it? Um, and so that's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? okay. But, but so that, that grounding in yeah. the self-knowing, I think, again, obliterates the rejection. Because it's tantamount to, to walking out at midnight and, uh, you know, but I expected there to be sun. Well, no, because it's midnight, right? Mm -hmm. So if you wanted this, and I know who I am, and I'm this, then great. Well, that's like the Bob, what Bob Joy does, which I've told you before. You know, terrific actor. Yeah, he loves to audition, and doesn't care about rejection. I mean, he cares about it. But gardening he, and auditioning. This gardening and auditioning. Um, <laughs> And working. I mean, for him, it's work. For him, it's just, oh, great, I got something to work on today. How great is that? But his whole thing is, you know, they were not buying apples that day. They were buying bananas. And I am the best darn apple you could ever want. So when they're ready for apples, Oof, they know they where apples. to find me, yeah. you know? And, and, and I get it that they just wanted a banana today. Right. And I wasn't that for them. And that's okay. But I, was, I brought in my fullest self, and uh, they will remember. Right that when they need an apple, you know? The next of this stuff is you gotta eat right, you gotta sleep well, you gotta do your best to live a lifestyle that is healthy and that, that nurtures your body, your instrument. Um, elements of this 10-day challenge, we have many of them and we'll have a link to the 10-day challenge in this, um, that, that facilitates some of this self-care. Um, and along with this, I'll say financial health. And this is a big one. If you put yourself in a position um, as I did for a certain time because I thought I was fancy because I booked a TV series and you know the money from that didn't work that was one season didn't work the next year um, 
and what I didn't know, because I got no financial education growing up, was that you hear a certain number, but you cut it in half for agent, manager, tax, you know, and all of a sudden it's not as much as, as mm. you need. You spread that over two, three years, booked a couple things here, there, the next three years, all of a sudden it's no more than making 40, 50 a year. And then, you know, year four, you better be <laughs> catching up again because you got to pay the rent again. So figuring out a way to um, have a financially sustainable life is essential. That may mean that you have to get a job that you don't want to get. But again, if you understand what, you're, what you, you value, what you want, then getting the job is uh, not some sort of embarrassment. It's I am supporting the thing that I love, that I want. That focus which, is essential. Which gets tricky when you start to hit 45 and it's not happening for you and you feel like I'm still bartending and, you know, what's my value in all this? But 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 being able to come back to the work you love and finding a way to do that so that you are not living in a place of, of less than, right. you know, of um, scarcity, you know, whatever that looks like. And we'll talk about more of that in... Um, our Actors Money podcast that'll be coming up later. Uh, but this is hugely important to understand that your value is not connected to uh, some job that you may have that needs you need to sustain yourself. If for no other reason other than you have to take the power back. You can't give someone um, who doesn't have the ability to help you in the way that you want, even though you think they do. Mm. You can't give them uh, the power to your, uh, you know, the keys to your financial future, or present even. It can't be borrowing from tomorrow to pay for yesterday. Yeah. Because again, we're talking about taking responsibility for all of this. Stuff. And you have to want this badly enough to do it. Sure. You know, if you're not, if this is too hard, then do something else. No you doubt. know, take a break. Because it, it's it, not worth it, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like, go get a job where you make 50, 40, 50 a year consistently. Yeah. Because the money might equal out. You know, once once you take care of all the financial highs and lows, and you sort of like average it all out, yeah, it's it, it's not that kind of party. There's no threshold past which every I don't know anyone, and you and I both know some pretty fancy people because yeah. it's Los Angeles and yeah. sort of like the local wildlife, these celebrity people. I don't know anyone who doesn't worry about money, and these are like rock stars and like people who have been on you know, many, many TV series. And a lot of them are not really happy at all. So they're making money, <laughs> so they may be successful, right. but they're worried about other things. I know a guy who just, you know, uh, makes so much money, uh, but he's going back to the heart of what he loved yeah. 20, 30 years ago because all the money is meaningless because it's not feeding his artistic soul. Absolutely. One thing I want to mention in all of this is that when good things happen, we sometimes don't know how to process good things because we, you actors, all of us are living sometimes in a place of lack and rejection and not being good enough. And we expect things to go badly because it feels like they go badly so much of the time. So we're living in this place of lack and we assume that something will go wrong or that the other shoe will drop. So even if something good happens, you know, like, oh, I got that job, but they'll fire me. Or, you know, I, I got pinned, but they'll never cast me or whatever those things are, like assuming that it's going to go badly. And so what we have to do is we have to retrain ourselves to first of all appreciate the wins the real the real wins and celebrate that the wins even the small wins and then also celebrate every little victory that happens so you go in a room and you're not nervous or you went in the room and you actually had a, a, a connection with the reader like those are victories and those victories can build. And, and if you can celebrate those, if you can walk out of those rooms, if you, whether it's in your career or in, in your audition or whatever it is, that, that you can look at what, what's working aside from going and finding 
things in your life that work for you and find the positives. But if you can start to celebrate those things, um, then you retrain yourself so that when good things happen, they're good. And when things don't go 100% right, something in there was valuable. Something in there was a win. So to celebrate the work, to celebrate your voice, to celebrate your vulnerability, your courage, um, the fact that you showed up is is such an important thing. Um, and even if there's if, if it's a loss, what about being good to yourself and celebrating the fact that you did show up? And, it, and so you turn a loss into a celebration, an appreciation, a victory of sorts. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, we know that these are challenging steps to take, particularly if you're, if you're deep in this place of yeah. feeling wounded by the industry. But this is the essential work of coming out of that shadow um, to face the industry with dignity and, and your best foot forward. The other thing I'll say, and this is perhaps more of an acute um, uh, response to rejection, is create a self-care buffer some sort of like break glass in case of rejection situation um, that you know fills you up. You know, don't don't have some sort of like awful meeting with you know your father or whatever right after an audition. Mm. Like you can create some sort of you no. Know, I need an hour afterwards to go get a coffee by myself, read this kind of book, listen to this kind of podcast, whatever that thing is for you. Something so, nurturing, absolutely. So yeah. that you 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 are taking care of yourself again and understanding that. Rejection will happen. Um, your agent will at some point drop you. You at some point will have to fire your agent. All of these emotional spikes will happen. So you want to put together some sort of earthquake kit, you know, so that you can um, navigate them with grace. Yeah. And and you may need to clear your schedule a little bit and tell people that yeah, I just need some space here, or be with the people that you love, or what whatever that is. Yeah, and just look around and see what's important to you in your life. Have a life, you know, in all of that. Because if you're defining yourself by the work you don't get and all of that sense of lack and scarcity, then you're in this this very dark, bleak hole, and you can't work from that place, you can't create from that place, you can't sustain yourself in a healthy way from that place. And, you know, these are, this is the, the fundamental element of our studio, even what we offer, that you have to show up to your work as a whole, happy human being artist. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, you got a couple, uh, one or two hands tied behind your back. And yeah. it's just not worth it. So let's then talk about how doing this kind of work changes the artistic work that you do in the audition room or in the self-tape. So when you have this clarity and you're caring for yourself, we alluded to this before, there is an element of generosity in your work. So, you know, from this place of scarcity or fear of rejection or the fight or flight stuff, you either start schmacting, I'm going to make this choice so I can weep because I got to show them something big. You know, I have to make this grand gesture so they think I'm terrific and give me the money. Or alternatively, I'm not giving them my heart here. Then so you gonna, shut down and disappear. And Again, yeah. the fight yeah. or the flight yeah. and all this. So, so if and we talk about this, Patsy Rodenberg talks about the second, third circle. Right. You know, that's, those second, are the third. first and third circles. But right. if what is that second circle of presence? Absolutely. And so... The presence happens in your preparation, even. Yeah. So with a clear artistic lens, you can allow yourself to be affected by this email and that this these sides that came through. You're not thinking, oh fuck, I gotta, you know, schlep my way to, you know, Culver City for 6 p.m. on a Friday and this sucks and they're not gonna hire me anyway. Blah, 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 blah. That's not gonna help you. But if you're in this place of, oh, I get to work today on something, cool. 
you start elevating this piece to the level of humanity. You start letting it affect you in deeper places because you're vulnerable to the work. You start making choices that are not of, this is how they'll hire me, and more of, but this is what speaks to me here. Yeah. Certainly in collaboration with the breakdown and the tone, and of course. But, but you're not making these desperate choices. And so you walk in, there's, there's this undercurrent of when you're taking responsibility for all your needs of, I got this thing that I want to show you. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're at on this thing, but here's where I'm at, and I want to give it to you. And again, the molecules in the room change. It, it's reframed, yeah. and you talk about that quite a bit, being uh, you know, on the other side of the camera, let's say. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's a different, different world. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and if you're in that place of presence, then, and leaving all of that stuff behind you without any expectation or need of booking this thing, um, so you're not looking at the outcome, you're just present in the work, which is what the goal is all the time. You make the reader the star of your audition, as you say, you know, that's, you, you focus on that person. Your need in the, it, it turns into the need of the work, what you need in the scene, what you need in the relationship, what you need in that very moment. And then you start to show up with incredible presence and, and excitement and, 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 and conviction to the story that you're telling. All the other shit goes away. You know, not, there's no space for it. The only thing that matters is getting what you want in that moment, in that scene, from that, from that person. Um, and when you do that, when you're in that incredible place of presence, uh, there's no space for rejection, really. And you affect the, the reader, and you affect the person in the room, or you affect the person who's watching your self-tape. Right. You know, and that's the kind of championship work that makes all the difference. And so when you've done that kind of work, and you really have shown up, it's like you're walking off stage after doing a performance that you go, that was joyous, and I was present in that with other human beings. Then you move on, and you can then go do other things. And then the and then getting the role is not only secondary; it doesn't really matter right. because you may do that kind of great, amazing black belt level work and still not get cast for all kinds of silly reasons that have nothing right. to do with the great work you did. All you have control over is that kind of work that you do. And I think worth noting that presence doesn't mean you know that we're asking you to walk into the audition having done all this work and life is glorious and like you're some step for a drone. That's not it at no, all. No, not at all. In no. fact, you're a hypersensitive person. So what we're doing here is actually calming the lake so that when you drop the stone into the lake, you can actually see the sensitivity, the reflection amplified. Yeah. Whereas if there's so much shit going on and you need it and it's this churning you know, water, you drop the stone in and you don't see anything. It's a, so, so we're creating space for your hypersensitivity so your sadness and your anger and your joy and whatever else can show up in the work. To me, that's presence. It's not making you this blissed out, you know, happy person, which I think... Again, like people, I'm so zen. Like that's not no, no, what this no. Is. Because also in the scene, if you're you know about to confront somebody because they messed with your family, you're going to come in hopefully charged and full of anger and and spe specific stakes for yourself. Right. And and you're good, but you're going to be doing it in a way that is. Um, at the level of the kind of work you're not only capable of doing, but that you'll ultimately be expected to do when you walk on set or into rehearsal. Oh my goodness! So course, you have yeah. to be working at that level, and there, and again, that that creates space for what's really, really important. And I want to say something about this whole hypersensitivity thing because I, I don't want to underestimate or undermine rather that that, that those huge feelings. We're talking. We're not talking about not being affected by the work you do. We're asking you to show up vulnerable and full. 
right, and put your heart out on the right. butcher block so that people might just chop it up into a bunch of pieces and then toss it onto the ground and the yeah. next one comes in. And you have to find a way to be okay with that because you have been given an opportunity to show your heart, to show yourself, right. to be vulnerable, to show what is living in you, what your emotional choices are and what your emotional life is. And by doing that, it does risk a lot, but if you don't show up in, in your relationships, in your family, in, in the world, and in the work, then we don't get to see you. And how can you be cast if or, or even collaborated with if you aren't willing to show up with all of that stuff? So you're big. This is a great place to put all of the, those big feelings. Not to come in and like to be pouring, you know, your 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 soul out in, in inappropriately, but to understand that there is a place to put that into the work. Yeah, and it's precisely because we understand the courage required to do this, to be vulnerable. I mean, you've chosen, you actors, to, to make vulnerability your business, to make uh, emotional expression, um, to be affected and affect other people your business. Yeah. And not only that, but like do it in these you know, high-powered situations with these sharks of the industry, you know, potentially telling you that you suck or worse, not even hearing you after 20 years of trying knocking at the door. Mm. So that requires a really robust, proportional amount of self-care so that you can keep showing up to that situation uh, whole and with some sort of joy and excitement in, in continuing to do this work. And it's essential. Yeah. So, so I guess at this point, what we take it from these, these notions of here are some steps to the actual practical stuff of this is, and I would suggest everyone do this, get out a calendar. If you don't have one, buy one. And I would say, you know, have one in front of you, not, not just on the phone and, and take the next week or so to, uh, to play with some of these notions, put them on the calendar and take half an hour, uh, to do some of this stuff. And make space for them because it's easy to say, well, I've got my day job and I've got my kids and I'm moving and I've got all this other stuff then I need to do. nothing ever changes. You know, then nothing changes. So you've committed to that practice. Carve out some space where you need it to do this kind of work. Um, also, let's let's share, we're going to share these in, in the show notes, uh, the 10-Day Actors Challenge. Yeah. You know, that we, we've done a couple of them and, and it's been really exciting because it's affected you guys. I've done them, you've done them right alongside everybody else, but we're going to offer them to you in our show notes um, here on the page or on Apple Podcasts so that you have a chance to, to jump into this 10-Day Challenge to help give yourself some practical tools to jumpstart this 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 exercise of self-care. Yeah, super important stuff. The other, the other thing we didn't really talk about, or we did a little bit, but I see it all the time and I'm in the middle of seeing it as you are, is taking responsibility for your own career. So again, if you don't get a part, it's like, okay, but I have to go... Uh, make this short film right now that I've been working on that I love and I've raised the money or I'm collaborating with my friends, uh, my peers, and that you're, you're, you're deeply immersed in the creating of work um, so that you don't need somebody else to tell you you're worthy, you're a good actor, you're talented, you actually get to practice that. Yeah. And we, we, we do that here a lot in class at the studio. And we also see our actors change the molecules of their own sense of selves and their own sense of success and their own sense of rejection by taking responsibility for their work and, and reevaluating what's important and just moving forward as artistic leaders. Um, and it's beautiful to watch and it's palpable. Um, and, and, and that's something that 
everybody can do. It emits a frequency that people can see. Yeah. So you're not, again, it, it shifts the relationship from you and the industry from one of need to one of attraction. I'm leading and I'm doing this thing. If you want to come with me, you're welcome to, but this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. And that is a very powerful shift. And when you walk into an audition room and you're in that place of working, whatever that oh, yeah. looks like, right. if you're doing a, you know, a play off off Broadway or somewhere in whatever city that you're in, it doesn't matter if it's fancy or, or, or high end. It's just, you're doing really solid work, you're in a robust practice, if you're in, in class and you're exercising that, if you're making work, if you're writing, if you're creating, if you're collaborating, when you walk in with that kind of leadership, it's palpable and affects people. It affects also the ease with which you align your acting from your own work to the audition room and back, you know? And the reason why people keep booking work over and over again, the same people, some of it is because the industry is lazy, we know that, but a lot of it is because those people walk in and they're not even thinking about reject rejection, they're just thinking about, hey, I'm here to work, I'm here to do my thing, and then I have to go do all this other stuff. We love sharing this content with our community. We offer it 100% free and it's our privilege to do so. If you're loving this podcast and are interested in offering something in return, go ahead and subscribe to The Acting Podcast. Then find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your podcast and leave us an honest rating and review. Your words will help us bring this work to even more actors and artists around the world. Thank you so much for listening and for being here with us. We love how this community shows up for us and for each other online and in the studio. And as a thank you to our incredible community, we want to give you an amazing free gift. It's called the Comprehensive Guide to the Perfect Self-Tape. So all you have to do is screenshot your review, send it to theactingpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you an exclusive gift of the Perfect Self-Tape Guide to take your work to the next level. And come visit us online at thebgbstudio.com. And if you're in LA, Atlanta, or New York, Jump into a class with us. We're here to get you into the kind of shape necessary to be successful.